What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the DadWise Podcast. Uh, excited about this one. I'm excited about all of them. I don't know <laughs> if you could tell, um, but uh, we interviewed John this week from Frontiersman Living. He came to us from an undisclosed location in Montana, and we just talked about how they are raising their children um, to be connected to the land, raising animals, cultivating a garden, um, woodworking, all sorts of great stuff, teaching your kids to be involved with the things that you're involved in, and homeschooling. So uh, great conversation. Also touched on men's mental health, how to take care of yourself as a dad. So I think you guys are going to like this conversation. Let's jump into it. All right. I'm here with John from Frontiersmen Living uh, on Instagram, frontiersmen.living. Uh, excited to talk to you today. Uh, thanks for jumping on the DadWise podcast. Uh, I'm, I've got a lot of questions for you, so I'm excited to to get this rolling. Well, I'm grateful to be here and thank you for the invites. Yeah, yeah. Uh, will you start by just kind of giving us a background of who you are and uh, how many kids you have, where you're located and all that? All right, so my name is, uh, I go by John B on there uh, on Instagram, okay. but my name is John Brun. Uh, my wife is Shelby Brun, and we have three kiddos. We have one that's pretty fresh, three months old. <laughs> nice. Um, and then Congrats. we have two older, uh, Rowan, he's six years old, and then Brea, she's okay. two and a half. So we have three kiddos that keep us extremely busy. We include yeah. them in nearly everything that we're doing. Um, yeah. And we're located in Montana. Um, Montana, as as all right. Because I'm going to get here. <laughs> and yeah, undisclosed location yeah undisclosed location <laughs> in the mountains of montana i love and it yeah was there any other information you yeah there? no that's great how long have you guys been in montana is that home for you or did you guys move there yeah that's this is home for us we live we're pretty much from montana cool. um i say pretty much because i was born in california uh, gotcha a lot of people are like <laughs> montana people don't like californians just it's not a dirty word in Montana. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was born there and then my family relocated when I was very little. But yeah, we okay. have been back in Montana for two years and we spent seven years up in Bush, Alaska. Um, okay. Where we, you know, we had a couple kids and built a place up there and we figured that we needed to be closer to, to family members um, yeah. just for the sake of our own mental health and for our kiddos because we were only seeing family members once or twice a year. So it's pretty yeah. hard on everyone. So we're very grateful to be back. And in fact, we have a, a bunch of family members coming over tomorrow. So nice. Yeah. Good. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, it's all, it's all, it's great to have everybody around, especially if yes. you need a babysitter yep. every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> nice. Talk a little bit about what you guys do. Uh, I've seen some of your, your posts on Instagram, your, farming gardening all sorts of stuff we talked about that a little bit yeah so i mean we, we like to do a lot of stuff uh, we almost have too many interests and hobbies <laughs> i want to say almost because you can never have enough but yeah there's not enough time in the day to do everything that we like to do right so we stay perpetually busy we're kind of call it like a homestead but it's not entirely a homestead yet but okay. we have some acreage uh, in the mountains here and we have a nice little meadow and we have a substantial garden that we're, we're working to fill. This is our second year with it. Yeah. Um, we have some goats that we recently got 
Um, nice. Chickens and guineas. So a good part of our mornings revolve around taking care of the animals and uh, planning ahead for, you know, what the coming weeks, months are going to look like with the animals and the garden. And, you know, just yeah. this past week, we are having <clears throat> uh, production in our garden of more than we eating. So we cool. grow a little lemonade stand and we were selling some of the garden produce and extra yeah. stuff too. So, um, we're not like full fledged farming, uh, yeah. yet, but it's kind of on a far flung goal to turn every, you know, usable space and on our property into something that's going to be productive for ourselves or for our community members. Yeah. That's awesome. Have yeah. you guys always been interested in gardening, farming, or is that kind of a journey for you? Uh, so when we lived up in Alaska, we had a, a garden and chickens up there. We were actually the only people within like a couple hundred miles that had chickens and okay. the, the eggs were highly sought after in our village. Nice. We, we had an egg list of about 40 people that we worked through and made sure everyone got eggs occasionally. Awesome. Um, but as far as the gardening, this, I think this is year five for us of gardening. Okay. Um, as far as I'm trying to do it on a larger scale, not just little tiny plots. Sure. Um, and we were pretty successful up in Alaska. Alaska has an amazing growing season. Um, okay. Not in the duration of, like, <laughs> you know, it usually is from June until September. But during okay. that time period, there's such an abundance of sunlight during the days, right. long days that you can grow some massive stuff. And if anyone's That's familiar awesome. with um, like the Alaska State Fair, Okay. There, there's people that grow like hundred pound cabbages and stuff like nice. that. So it's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. When you guys get sun up there, you really get it. Yeah. Uh, how far north is Bush? Is it up there? I, I'm not looking at a map right now. So uh, Bush is just the term to mean that oh. you're, you're off the road system. Gotcha. Yep. So we were off the road system. It was fly in only. And technically you could gotcha. barge in, but that was more or less for materials and supplies and stuff like that. Wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, we were about an hour bush flight out of Anchorage. So. Okay. Nice. Way up there. How did you guys choose to go to Alaska? So my wife and I was, was then my girlfriend. We were dating and she had an opportunity to go up to uh, Bush, Alaska for a teaching experience in, okay. in college because she was going to school to be a teacher. Nice. And she decided to jump on that opportunity and she went up there for four or five months. Okay. And I came up on her spring break and well, I guess my spring break. She didn't really have yeah. one because she was kind of teaching and working. Um, but I came up on my spring break and hung out with her for about a week up there. Nice. And <clears throat> up in those rural villages, they really tried to uh, get couples to teach okay. in those villages because they're more huh. likely to stick around and not be as lonely per se. Yeah. Um, than a single person. Yeah. That makes so sense. they really kind of attacked us. They're like, Hey, stay. we have some opportunities <laughs> for you guys and we want you to stay. Like yeah. we'll sign you on contracts right now for next year. If you guys cool. want to. So, and I didn't even go to school to be a teacher. Um, <laughs> I went to school for environmental science. So okay. I have a BA in environmental science from a college here in Montana. Nice. And they're like, it doesn't matter if you don't have a teaching degree, we'll take you. And I was like, 
I don't know how that works, but let's figure it out. So Perfect. We both signed contracts and then I actually went to University of Alaska Southeast. And okay. while I was teaching, I was also going, going to school myself to get my master's in education. Cool. And through that okay. master's in education program, I got a teaching certificate. Nice. Um, so it was a lot. I did it in a year and a half and they said I had two years to do it, but I was nice. putting in like 80 to hundred hour weeks between teaching and school. Yeah. That first year and a half. So it was pretty brutal, but you know, I granted this, this awesome opportunity to be in this remote fishing village, yeah. um, with phenomenal fishing, hunting. And yeah, it was kind of crazy how we ended up there and we kind of worked on a, a five year plan. Okay. Like, you know, we, we'll try to stick this out for five years and see where it yeah. goes. Cool. And on like year three or four, I can't remember, maybe it's year four, we had an opportunity to buy an acre and a half parcel of land. Okay. It was kind of like a pristine area. And we jumped on that and decided to build a place up there. Cool. Um, and then we started having kids and <laughs> things get a little bit more complicated when you uh, start having kids and um, there's a lot more concerns uh as far as safety and you know yeah. how close you are to nearest hospital and just kind sure. of a lot of things to think ahead for um right. as far as providing for your family <laughs> right especially I, your oldest is a boy right and so you they're always i mean at least my boys are always trying to jump off stuff and they're just trying to break arms and stuff so it's like yeah. nice to be a little closer to medical care if you can be yeah exactly. that's awesome how have you guys um, involved your children? You're, are you homeschooling? Is that I, yeah, I so, kind of gathered from? Yeah. So it's kind of unofficial as of right now. Technically, okay. the state of Montana it doesn't have to be registered through a homeschool uh, kind of program until he's seven years old. But we've been okay. homeschooling unofficially for a few years now. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of involved them in our day-to-day -day lives and we're very intentional yeah. with how our days look and what we're involving them in. Like I said, we try to involve them in nearly everything that we're doing, even if it's yeah. something that's beyond their capabilities, we try to, you know, chunk it up. So it's something that they're able to contribute to. Yeah. Um, so there's, everything takes a little bit longer to yeah. admit yeah. on those things. Um, and it can be very frustrating at times and things don't follow an expected timeline, for example, but the skills that they're acquiring from yeah. partaking in those things are very beneficial and not only for them, but for us as well, uh, yeah. just for them to contribute and to be able to, I don't know, apply and hopefully be interested to in some of the things that we're doing uh, in the future. Yeah. What's like a, do you guys both work on the, the homestead or I guess you said it's not an official homestead, but yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys, are you both full time <clears throat> at home or are you guys going out to work and coming home or no, what's like both. a tip? Yeah. What's yeah, a typical day look like for you guys? Yeah. We're both full time at home, which cool. um, is a blessing because yeah. we're able to stay home with our kids and very intentional with how they're being raised and what they're exposed to. Yeah, but it can also be a challenge because we have our the kids have access to us at all times during our days yeah. for the most part. So yeah. if we have a deadline to meet something, 
uh, it can be hard to meet that deadline just because we're attending to everyone's needs at all times. Yeah. But, uh, you know, a typical day as two, uh, I don't want to say stay at home parents, but (laughs) work from from home parents. Yeah. Uh, I usually start my day before everyone else. I try to get up around five 30 and I get in some intentional movements. So a workout and I go and check on our animals, make sure they're all kosher in the morning. And I start preparing breakfast for everyone. And the kids get up and make sure everyone's fed. And then we move yeah. right on to usually like our morning chores around the house and cool. animal chores. So our mornings, yeah. you know, the first few hours in the morning after being fed, we usually go outside. Um, yeah. That morning daylight for everyone is especially important for, you know, regulating our circadian rhythms and Right. Our overall well-being, so we, we take that pretty seriously. Um, and, you know, sometimes in the mornings if we're, we're pressing some deadlines, Shelby and I, yeah. both of us will spend an hour or 90 minutes or so working on our phones, which is, yep. I just watched a reel, um, <laughs> one of your YouTube videos of, yeah. you know, phone using by parents being the new, the new secondhand smoke. The new secondhand, yeah. <laughs> it's an extremely difficult uh, thing to approach with your children. Yeah. Be mindful of when you, a lot of your work is based from your phone or based from the computer and you're yeah. working from home. So right. you probably can relate to that as well. Right. You're like I'm sitting here, <laughs> but I'm actually working all of a sudden. It's nice to have like segmented times like this is my work time. Yep. And then you can just put the phone down and be like, now it's uh, us time or I'm, I'm actually here now. <laughs> so yeah. that's like a whole new ball game for modern parents to try to navigate the, the phone. It is. You're, you're physically present often or most of the time. Yeah. You're not always mentally present just because right. of uh, having to be on your phone working on something exclusively. Right. Um, but yeah, we come up for lunch so our, our property is kind of divided we have an upper property and a lower property okay so our, our house is literally like up on the side of a mountain and cool. we have to hike down to our lower property where we have all of our animals and our outbuildings and stuff like that yeah so it's kind of nice to be separated we don't get any internet or any cell service down at our lower property yeah but we're just kind of cut off from everything which has huge benefits yeah. because we're not distracted we can't be on our phones right um but at the same time if someone's up here, there's not that connectivity. In fact, sure. there's been instances where there's been bears up here. Okay. I, like I've come up the hill at night. And yeah. Have run right in, right into bears when Shelby was trying to get a hold of me and so let me know. Jeez. But it's a pretty cool setup that we have here. Yeah. Um, and then, so we have lunch. We have to come back up for lunch usually. Right. And kids have some quiet time. Where we're either, you know, intentionally working with them, reading, writing. Um, sure. We have these called Yodo players, which play stories or songs for Yodo. them. Okay. Which nice. are a phenomenal tool. Uh, yeah. For their for them education wise. Right. And then we try to get a little bit more, squeeze in some more work here and there. Yeah. And then usually we're back outside to you know, something homeschool wise, whether it's like an outdoor lesson. Yeah. Like this time of year, we're doing a lot with 
obviously gardening and taking care of animals, but then we're also looking at plants, like we're working our plant press, plant identification, cool. looking at bugs, animals, yeah. all sorts of stuff. So we're kind of working cyclically uh, with the seasons, yeah. seeking opportunities as they come. Yeah. Almost every day there's something new to be found right in our area here. Right. It's kind of an outdoor school opportunity. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, <clears throat> yeah, we do dinner and kids go to bed fairly early, which yeah. is great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they go hard all day. Like yeah. they keep very busy and go to bed six thirty, seven o'clock and sleep for twelve hours. There you go. And that's then ideal. That, yeah, it is phenomenal. And then that time after the kids go to bed until 10, 10, 30, usually that's like our time or my time. Shelby's usually with Bowden, our, our youngest, trying to right. get him, keep him asleep. <laughs> yeah. But I get a lot done after that as far as prepping things for the next day, working on things yeah. that I couldn't work on with the kids. Um, like jewelry is a big thing, uh, big okay. uh, moneymaker for our family. So I'm working cool. on jewelry. Um, sometimes in during that time period, I'll devote another hour or so to social media and answering okay. emails and collaborations with people. So right. it's very long days, especially That's a full as, day. Yeah. So yeah. five 30 in the morning and usually ending about 10 30. Yeah. So yeah, that's solid. Yeah. We, we put our kids down to bed at like seven every night too. Um, and our, our friends that both like work full time out of the house, are like what? That's crazy. We're like, well, no, we're with our kids all day. Cause we homeschool also. And I, I'm a photographer, videographer. So I'm like in and out of the house and, right. but I'm home most of the time. And so it's like, yeah, we've had a solid, solid day together already. We're 10 hours in by the time <laughs> seven o'clock rolls around. So it's yeah. like we need some we need some me time. So yeah, by the that's time awesome. dinner comes around, I'm sure you're you're feeling it that kids yeah. are getting a little bit whiny. It's winding down for the day, and yeah, yeah, it, it can you can take the cues from the kids of when they've had enough and they're ready for bed. So yeah, there's no point in kind of pushing it along more. <laughs> yeah, what's your what's your like main source of uh, like income? Is it the jewelry? Uh, deal. I, I think I saw it was linked on your Instagram. Is it? Is it your wife's page? Uh, she has an Instagram page too. I, think, I don't know if it's linked on her page. I think it's just on mine. Well, actually, I'm not sure if I have it linked on my personal account. But I have a separate social media account called Stonewall Right. Okay. So I make jewelry there. I do carvings. I make nice. sleds. Um, I shall sell some Shelby stuff that she makes. We're kind of cool. just creators, um, nice. all sorts of stuff. Like I said, tons of interests and hobbies. And yeah. That's something that, you know, we're passing on to our children as well. That they, you know, we're not kind of pushing those things on them. Right. But if we're doing them around them, they show interest in trying it out. Yeah. And more power to them. And we're happy to help them along and try to show them what that's all about. But yeah, yeah so, I mean, it, yeah, kids usually end up doing what you're doing anyway, because <laughs> that's that's what's available to them. So, exactly. yeah. But uh, so creating items is definitely a, a good source of our income. And then yeah, we have uh, collaborations with other companies that we align with, like 
Uh, usually it's stuff that we need, like products that we already believe in and use. Um, sure. And that we're happy to share about with other uh, people. So we sure. have collaborations yeah. and affiliate marketing with those companies. Gotcha. Um, cool. And then just odds and ends, yeah, whatever we can do to make money. Um, sure. So like my father-in-law is a, a farmer rancher and I'll, I'll throw in and do like harvest with him or yeah. season, um, make a little bit of money here and there. So kind of just yeah. doing everything we can right now. Like we've been able to maintain what we've been doing for just over two years without yeah. either of us working a nine to five. Yeah. Which is great. That's awesome. And you know, we gave up that nine to five five days a week. But oftentimes we're working from five to ten. <laughs> five to ten and we're working seven days a week. So yeah. You know, there's definitely some sacrifices that come along with that. We're able to spend, yeah. you know, our full days with the children, but we're also putting in longer days and um I heard a really good uh slogan from another I don't know if they're kind of like a blogger, vlogger type okay. person. They said that our work has become our life and our life has become our work. Yeah. Which kind of feel that like we're not videoing every single day of our life, right. every moment of our life and uploading that for like millions to see. But a good chunk of our day, we're always thinking about like, you know, what kind of content can I be creating? Yeah. Um, and like, what do I have to do for this company for collaboration? And sure. So <clears throat> it's a lot to be handling, but yeah, we, we're not sure if it's going to be a forever thing. We obviously sure. know it's probably not sustainable forever, but while we have the opportunity, we're going to try to stay home with our children and raise them intentionally. Yeah. Especially while they're young, it's, it's so important to be close to them. And, uh, it turns out you need, you need less money when you're uh, growing a lot of your own food and you have, yeah. uh, I mean, if you spend less, you don't need to make as much. And so that's, yeah, that's been a, a, a mindset, mindset shift for me. I don't know. Do you read any Wendell Berry? I've been kind of on a Wendell Berry kick the last couple of years. I haven't, since... but I'm intrigued. Yeah. Wendell Berry's kind of a, he's a farmer in Kentucky environmentalist. And so he writes poetry and novels and okay. essays. Um, Nick Offerman reads his audiobooks, which is pretty fun. Okay. Uh, so, um, but yeah, he, he just talks about like the household economy. And so how houses used to be households used to be the primary source of livelihood and life. And, um, and a short summary of the book is just basically that we've, after the industrialization of America, we've gone from like uh, working for food and uh, growing all of our own stuff to going and making money and then buying yeah. the food. And so we've added in a middleman or two or three between yeah. us and the land. And so um, sure. just the importance of being connected. And <clears throat> so if anyone's interested in the farming world, I love, I love Wendell Berry stuff. So uh, he, uh, he uh, paints a beautiful picture of what life could be like living off the land from the land yeah, <laughs> and I'm, with the land. <laughs> I'm very interested. So. I had to jot down a note here just to, to look into that because yeah, I definitely see kind of the lifestyle we're trying to lead aligning with those values. Um, yeah. And it's something that we think about a lot. Um, 
as far as you know we spend a lot of time home we're we're homebodies anymore yeah we're always trying to think about like you know how can we be sustainable where we are and how can we contribute to the community where yeah. we are um and you know oftentimes our house is an absolute disaster because we have <laughs> so much going on and then we also keep in mind that like we're home all the time. We actually yeah. live in our house, whereas a lot of modern society, yeah, they leave the house at eight o'clock in the morning and they come back at five o'clock in the evening. They're hardly Place living. To sleep and watch TV. Yeah, <laughs> they're not really getting the full value of their homes. They just, you know, using like a hotel room. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, man, we we do dishes three times a day here, like <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's like we need. Got to do like paper plates or something. This is crazy, but yeah, because if, if you can't let it stack up, because then you don't have dishes for dinner. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah. You well, know, your background. Well, <laughs> yeah, your background looks clean to me. So it looks like you guys have at least this corner of the house is. Yeah, I made well sure that together. I was aligned pretty well here, so you didn't see Turn the camera. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I've seen some videos of you with like your son uh, carving with a knife and shooting bows and arrows. Uh, what are some of like the activities that you like to do with him? He's six now, right? And so, yeah, what's what's some of the his favorite outdoor stuff that you bring him along with as far he's, as like hobbies or? He's extremely uh, passionate about anything outdoors and really anything yeah. that involves spending time, like one on one time. Um, yeah. He's all about that. And, but hunting and fishing is like where his true passion lies. Yeah. But there, anything that revolves around, uh, well, anything that I'm interested in anymore, he's, right. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'll do that. So yeah, we're chopping wood today. That's awesome. Yep, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we were doing yesterday. We we're splitting wood. Um, we, so we were doing on that yesterday and chopping kindling and, nice. uh, he will, he's just happy to throw in doing anything. Right. Passionate about animals. That's kind of something that, you know, I've always been passionate about animals and uh, not necessarily raising animals, but like wildlife. Right. That's what I went to school for. Okay. Nice. But that's kind of spilled over into animal husbandry almost, like taking sure. care of animals, raising them. And he just, like right now, he's hand raising a couple chicks that we hatched out awesome. about three weeks ago. And he just loves playing with them, loves animals, taking care right. of them, making sure that they're safe, they're fed they're healthy yeah. so there's kind of similar to us we're rubbing off on our children that he gets up in the morning and he's ready to go do everything and anything that's right presented to him so yeah i love that i had him mow the part of our lawn that the goats aren't eating before the family okay. came and his big thing lately is he wants to mow the lawn yeah so we take some safety precautions and put him on the the rider lawn mower sure. and he has a little section down there that after we hop off here, I'm going to help him to finish that. So yeah. He's Love really, that. he's like an ambitious kid, tons of energy that just loves to throw in and be helpful. And do yeah. Everything. So I love it. I feel like our children are like most wasted resource. Like we, they, they want to work and they want to be with us and we just stick them in school all day and make them sit at a desk. I'm like, we need to, Get yeah. these kids out there <laughs> mowing our lawns and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of a two-sided thing there because we've received flack from people like in the social media world that were 
using our children as like unpaid labor, for example. (laughs) And it's like, well, you know, in the olden days, it was even more extreme than that. Um, Right. And there actually was like some child labor going on. Sure. But, you know, we are asking him if he would like to be included on these things and Right. We're not kind of like, hey, you're going to mow the lawn today. Otherwise, you're not going to be you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, we're presenting opportunities. And if they want to grab hold of those, they're they're welcome to. And we're going to include them. But if they don't show interest or they're scared um, or they're tired, like, we're not going to force them to do anything either. Right. I love that. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> do you think you guys, do you plan on homeschooling for the long haul or are you... Yeah. You're, you're, full, um, you're all in. Yeah. It's kind of, we've had a lot of discussions yeah. about like the social aspect and they did get plenty of socialization just from other homeschool families and outdoor yeah. kind of schools and programs that we uh, put them into. Yeah. But we're curious if they're ever going to show interest, like as they get older and going to a public school. Yeah. Um, so we'd kind of like to be open-minded and we'd probably be very, uh, an intentional and selective, like where they would go to school. And like, we'd want right. to know, we'd be like the kind of crazy parents that go in and try to talk to all the teachers and see. Yeah. Um, what are you, what's your deal? Yeah. What's your deal? <laughs> Can I get a, a thumbprint on you, please? Yeah. So, background check. Yeah. Yep. Um, I love so it. We're for the most part, like if the kids are going to be happy with homeschooling and we're going to stick with it and, yeah. Both of us, you know, Shelby spent five years as a teacher in elementary, and I spent seven years as a teacher in middle school, high school. Um, okay. So I don't want to say that. You got that. both covered. Yeah. I don't want to say <laughs> You got all the ages covered between the two of you. It yeah. does. And that's kind of like what people say is like, oh, you got to cover it then. And <laughs> I don't want to like say that because we were teachers, it sets us up or are well equipped right. to teach our children because homeschooling is a totally different and it should be totally different than the traditional education system. So anyone's capable of homeschooling their kids. Um, And there's plenty of people like, well, I don't think I know enough to homeschool my kids. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about homeschooling is like, you can learn right along with them. Like you don't have to know the things beforehand. There's plenty of parents that will learn right along with their kids. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's what my wife like ends up doing most of the time. It's like, all right, we're gonna learn about the weather, and so let's go to the library and get all the books and learn about weather. <laughs> like that, yeah. and we'll read them, and then we'll look at the weather, and then we'll uh, experience it outside, and then yeah, it's yeah. uh, we found that there's a lot of trial and error. My wife is like, she was really stressed about finding a good curriculum for a long time, right. and then now she's just like, we're just. We've got something that does math and reading, but other than that, we're outside. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, you don't really need to stress too much about it. Just kind of meet the minimum requirements from the state and then just have fun. That's kind of what we've been doing so far, but yeah, that's we'll see. Great. My oldest is only seven, so <laughs> we we'll have to modify as we go. I'm sure. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing a great job and <laughs> I feel like the home, like no diss on the people that essentially recreate the school system at home but that's not what homeschooling is intended to be like homeschooling is supposed to are supposed to be something totally different from the conventional education system and it's supposed to be something of your own and it's supposed to take the interest of your children into account and 
an interest yeah. of your own. So, um, so yeah. Do you have any? Uh... Do you have any like resources that you would point people towards if they're like, I don't know, maybe uh, like a book or two that push them over the edge or, or uh, yeah. I don't know. So kind of where, what launched this, um, I guess one of the contributing factors is, have you heard of a thousand hours outside? Yeah. So a thousand hours outside is something that we started doing with Rowan years ago, just being very intentional with how much time he's spending outside, just because there's a multitude of benefits from being outside and yeah. outside play. And it's kind of where we started. And then as we transitioned back to Montana, we had opportunities for something called Tinker Garden, okay. um, which is like an outdoor um, play school situation. Yeah. And so I'm not sure where Tinker Garden is sitting right now, like nationwide and like yeah. what they offer around the nation. That's a great resource um, for like socializing for other kids sure. um, and getting them kind of, I don't want to say to another teacher, but essentially someone else can teach your children a little bit yeah. and you can be there supervising and again, yeah. get that social aspect. And then I feel like there are just a lot of homeschool groups and outdoor school groups in communities yeah. that usually you're not aware of. Um, right. And if you're in a more rural location like us, you might have to travel a bit. So yeah. we'll travel a little bit more than an hour each way to get to some of like our, our, our field school or outdoor school opportunities okay. to kind of supplement in. Um, but as far as I don't have any like suggested curriculum, it's kind of, okay. <laughs> you know, look at your, your standards and, yeah. you know, obviously reading, writing ones they are going to be very cut and dry, sure. um, but try to make it something related to what they're interested in. So if they're interested in animals, then make it related to animals. Yeah. Like yeah. play to the interests of the kids. That's, you know, that's going to be the best way to approach it. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. Cause if your kids aren't interested in learning, then they're not going to learn even if they're sitting at a desk. <laughs> so for sure. Uh, have you, have you guys read the, what's it called? The wild and free book, the call of the wild and free. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. What's, so that uh, was, I have it on my desk. Yeah. Yep. We've read it and we often will just kind of play sections of it in our vehicles. Like as we're traveling, just kind of as reminders of why right. we're doing what we're doing and new things that we can incorporate things that we might've forgotten from the book. Yeah. In fact, my wife was just sending me information that they have a wild and free uh, gathering every year oh, in yeah. September. I think it was like in Tennessee. Okay. He's like, we should go this year. Yeah. It was like September yeah. 15th, 16th. And the only thing that crossed my mind was like, that's during hunting season. <laughs> so uh, That's awesome. So we'll Maybe see. there's hunting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'd be hunting opportunities, but do they have elk? Yeah. But, that's uh, awesome. We'll see. Yeah. We've talked. We've talked about going to that too. We're having a baby in August though. So we're probably wow. not going to be jumping on that one, but. Well, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah. We're getting yeah. close. About well, a month and a half number, away. Number four for you, right? Four. Yeah. Holy well, a nice even number. I think we're, yeah. we're going to try to, we're going to try to be done with four. So we'll see, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they say that. No promises. Anything after two or three is like, it doesn't get any harder. And yeah. My wife was telling me this morning, she's like, oh, baby number three, like, 
they're so easy. It's no wonder people just have four. And I was like, yeah, we just had number two. <laughs> Don't get too cocky yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Our third is uh, two and a half now. And so we're like, we're doing pretty good. How can we throw a monkey wrench in this? It's yeah. like, let's have a four. Yeah. That's Everything easy. seems... Yep. Everything seems too easy right now. Let's, it's usually how it goes. You find some nice rhythms and stuff like that. And then you're like, well, I think it'd be a great time to add another child. To <laughs> and then you kind of Super start good. from scratch all over again. But Let's, I, You know what? I'd like to stop sleeping again. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. How do you, um, you've been posting a little bit about mental health. Uh, we're in June right now. Mental health, men's mental health awareness month. How do you um, approach that for yourself, maintaining your own mental health? Um, how do you think about that topic? Yeah, so it's funny because it's something that I think about quite often just because I'm literally like pouring myself into my family then almost the entire yeah. day, every day. And it is exhausting both physically and mentally. Um, and I used to have on my work computer when I was teaching a, a sticky note that I taped to my computer. And it said, like, it's just a reminder that you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. And so there's things that you have to do to recharge on a daily basis, hopefully, uh, to stay healthy physically and mentally so I can still continue to show up for my family and yeah. for work purposes, of course. Um, so that's part of the reason I get up. When I do, I get up at yeah. 5.30 so I can have, it sounds bad, but <clears throat> I have kind of been a, a loner. Like before I had a family and wife, I was kind of a loner. I spent a lot of time on, on my own Okay. Uh, yeah. in the back country, uh, fishing, hunting, just a lot of alone time. So that's kind yeah. of my recharge is alone time. Yeah. So I get up early and I have my workout and have some quiet time where I'm not stimulated by children and all the tasks I have to do for that day. Right. Um, and then another thing that I've been incorporating since I think December of last year, it's been cold okay. plunges. Yeah. Well, and nice. you know, that's kind of a, a hormetic stress or something that's going to stress your body, but it makes you more tolerance of stress. Yeah. And, um, just kind of more stable, um, kind of level headed, just kind of bring some mental clarity, some, another physical and mental challenge that's going to let you know that like, you know, that that was hard, but yeah. compared to other things throughout the day, it, it, you know, it's going to make those easier. Yeah. I have. How been, long? <clears throat> no, yeah. Yeah. I've been just thinking about cold plunges. I feel like a lot of people are talking about it right now, but, yeah. and I get advertised on Instagram of like the portable ones that you just pop up and fill mm -hmm. up and then put back down. Right. Uh, how long does it take for it to not be awful when you first get in? Or is it always, <laughs> is it always the same like shock and pain <laughs> for the first couple? Is it yeah. minutes or seconds? How, how does you that work? To, you build up a tolerance just like anything. Um, yeah. You know, if you're a coffee drinker and you start out with a little bit of coffee, your, your tolerance to the caffeine is going to build over time. So it's a similar thing with the cold plunge. You know, if you're going to get into it, you know, start with you know, a cold shower. But yeah. don't just all immediately blast it to the coldest <laughs> setting, you know, just kind of ease into it okay. and do it for, you know, 15 seconds. And then yeah. the next, you know, two days later, do it for 30 seconds and just kind of ease your way in. And then as you get into like, you know, a minute or two, that setting, 
make it colder. Yeah. You can't just uh, throw yourself directly into 32-degree <laughs> water with ice yeah. in it for three minutes and expect not to be – uh hate it. <laughs> to be like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Do you do it daily? Is that part of like your morning routine? or I, I try to do it in the evenings, uh, not every day okay. anymore just because I've noticed that if I do it every day, I build up such a tolerance to it that it doesn't huh. feel like a benefit anymore. So – for a while in December and January, I think I did like 35 straight days. Okay. I got to the point where, you know, I had my trough full of ice and the water was yeah. literally, you know, 31, 32 degrees. Yeah. And I would dunk my head and sit in there for three to five minutes and I'd be totally fine. Like it was, yeah. it was kind of like, I didn't feel like it was a challenge anymore when I was huh. doing it every That's day. Wild. But once I started yeah. doing it, you know, three to four times a week or even one or two times a week became a lot more of a challenge. Yeah. So, Do you so, just have a uh, trough outside yes. ready to go all the time? Yeah. Yep, I do. In fact, the kids are playing in some water right now in that <laughs> there trough. You go. So. It probably stays nice and cold in January and December uh, out there. You don't even have to add ice, I bet. No, I don't, which is just great. Break, I, you I might have to, to break the top even, yeah. Yeah, I need to work on keeping it from freezing solid. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you don't want to be sitting on a cube of ice. That's not helpful. Yeah, but as far as other things for mental health, I think it's great to have like an outlet and someone else to talk to. Yeah. Which even for myself personally, you know, like a friend, having a friend that's like-minded to talk to and, you know, I don't want to say vent. Yeah. But almost <laughs> to have someone else to talk to and just kind of talk about your challenges and yeah. Even the things that are going good in your life. So it sounds bad, but kind of use social media as that. And there okay. are some like online friends and stuff that I have, but I have very few like in-person friends. Right. And I think it's just a part of getting older and being yeah. parent adults. It's kind of your, your friends drop off over time. Like once you get out of college or out of high school. Right. And your values change, your priorities change, and they don't necessarily align with those people that you grew up with or used to be friends with. And it's yeah. hard to maintain and keep relationships with those people that you would be in contact with or someone that's reliable that you would talk to. Right. Yeah, that's so important, having a, a community of like-minded men around to, to bounce things off of and be like, is this... Being a dad hard? Yeah, it's yeah. hard, right? Like this is <laughs> yep. good. I'm just checking. I'm not crazy. Everyone's everyone's just struggling through it. So yeah, that's uh, that's an important thing to have. Um, what would you say for you has been like the 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 hardest thing about being a dad as far as, far as like transitioning from no kids to kids? Mm -hmm. It's been six years now, so you're, I'm sure you're acclimated to the new normal, yeah. but Man, the hardest thing, um, I think it would be, I was just talking about this with my wife the other night, but not beating yourself up too much. Um, yeah. You know, parenting is hard enough as it is that there's a lot of things, ways that we raise our children um, and we play the compare game, you know, looking yeah. at, oh, you know, someone else's kid is able to do this at their age or, right. you know, this is what the way we raise our child did we mess them up at all? <laughs> like, yeah. 
you know, Rowan, for example, we didn't know any better when he was younger, but we traveled a lot and spent a lot of time on the road. We spent a lot of time in like a backpack or a carrier. And because of that, like he didn't walk until he was like 18 months old. Okay. And we're like, well, how badly did we mess him up? (laughs) Now that we've got more educated as parents um, and about children in general, like how crucial that is for a child to be able to crawl around on the floor and have tummy time. Yeah. Not only for their physical development, but for their, their mental development. Right. So there's a lot of things that we kick ourselves about. And, you know, as a parent, we're just doing the best that we know how to do. And it's hard not to look back on the things that you've already done with your kids and like, um, just kind of regret those things and beat yourself up about it. Um, Yeah. So just kind of focusing on the present and the future and not dwelling on what you've done as in the past as a parent, because you're going to, right. You have the opportunity to make things right and to correct them, you know? Yeah. I I was just thinking about that this morning with my first, my, my son, my oldest son. I was like, man, I have, I'm this is just a giant experiment. Like everything that he does is like the first time, like we started soccer. And so I started coaching soccer. I've never coached soccer before. Like I've never potty trained before him. I've never, we've never sleep trained before him. We haven't like, and so I was like, I'm going to call him later because they're uh, down in California right now. But right. just like, man. I have so much more grace for him because it's like, thank you for putting up with us as yeah. we practice on you. I'm hoping by the fourth, we'll be like just crushing it, but we'll see. Like number one is like, he'll be the most resilient probably for sure. Cause it's yep. like mom and dad are just like, <laughs> we're, we were like 24 and I was like, man, we don't know what we're doing. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, I just like, want to give him a hug, say sorry all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're just doing our best. Well, I'm glad we're not, I'm not the only one that feels like that. And we're not the only parents that feel that, but those firstborns, they put up with a lot of crap as we, yeah. you know, we grow as adults and humans, you know, we're not perfect and we're not going to get it perfect. And those firstborns put up with a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just so grateful that he's been, he still likes me. He's still nice to me. So even after, after doing all messing everything up, but, right. um, cool. Uh, I want to talk about your chickens cause it says on Instagram that I should yeah. ask you about your chickens. Uh, right. how many chickens do you have? Uh, currently we have 20 grown hens, one rooster, and then we have 14 chicks that we hatched out. Um, nice. Three weeks ago. Did you put those in an incubator or do you just let one of the hens roost on it? So we ended up getting an incubator roosting. only okay. because uh, we had broody hens, but they weren't consistently yeah. sitting their clutches. They're kind yeah. of bouncing around. They couldn't decide what they wanted to do. <laughs> so we wanted to yeah. make sure that they were going to turn out. But we did have a, a specific broody hen. Okay. I had been broody, broody for months and we were. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I'm going to try to reintroduce some chicks to her to see if she takes them. Yeah. And, and she did. And we ended up putting awesome. a, a dozen chicks with her. We actually hatched out 26 chicks. Wow. Okay. And then we had a, you know, part of homesteading is you're going to deal with loss, unfortunately. Right. And we had them in one of our goat pens. And yeah. probably for about a week and a half. And then we had some ravens that came in. And oh. unfortunately took all the chicks. 
All of them. And Dang. All of them. And, and the chicks that we had left over that we weren't going to keep, we were going to give to a neighbor down the road. Yeah. And uh, I immediately gave those chicks back to that hen because she was very much in distress. Yeah. And uh, he immediately took those chicks. So we instead just uh, you know, we kept them, obviously, and we lent our incubator and gave our neighbor yeah, sure. a couple dozen eggs to incubate some. Start, start on your own. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them to put a, a roof on the deal. The ravens, they don't wait. Like we had a, a raccoon get into our chicken coop and they just like killed like three of them in one night. I was like, come on. <laughs> Yeah. At least give me a chance to fix it before you get take all of them. But yeah, it can uh, be. That's like one of the heartbreaking things with uh, having homestead or even a backyard flock of chickens is. Yeah. Inevitably, you're always going to have some type of loss. Um, yeah. That's a good learning experience, as bad as that sounds. To yeah use that as a learning experience, but. Yeah. I think so. For kids to see death, <laughs> it sounds dark, but like. The, the circle of life, you know, and to know like all things come from the earth and all things go back to the earth. Yep. We are, we're pretty insulated from like where our food comes from and what happens to living beings if like the life is taken from them. Yeah. Uh, exactly. It can be, yeah. Our first time we lost a chicken, our children were very sad. And then we've lost more since then. And they're like a little bit less sad every time. So, yeah. Uh, but they do, they, they play with like, I was thinking the other day, like uh, baby chicks are the best toy you can buy your kids. Like my kids will just sit out in the grass with them and like chase them around. And like, like this is the most bang for your buck, five bucks for a chick. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like months of entertainment. And then yeah. they give you eggs after that. So exactly. I highly recommend chickens to anyone. <laughs> I mean, they are the best kind of starting uh, farm animal that you can have. You can have one or two and start in small spaces in most cities even allow them in. so yeah we have them like right up against our house so we like look out our window and see how they're doing so they're a little they get stinky and dirty they doing their dust baths in the summertime it makes our house the side of our house is all dirty but <laughs> it's all right <laughs> hose it down every once in a while yeah we don't have a ton of space we're on 0.1 acres here so we're doing what we can. Yeah. <laughs> Making the most of it. That's great. Yeah. We've been looking for somewhere with some more space, but we're in the Pacific Northwest. And so land is not cheap here. So you have to get kind right. of further out. But sure. yeah. Um, I had another question for you. I I lost it. We'll, uh, I'll circle back to it. But um, I wrote down, I wanted to ask you about like uh, kind of the, the bush crafting stuff, your carving, your axe stuff. Did you learn that growing up or have you developed that in your adult life? So that's something that I've developed in my adult life. Um, I think I'm very passionate about learning new things. Yeah. So I guess a lot of what I do, I'm doing it not only for myself, but something that I can pass on to my the children. Yeah. So if I feel interested in something, then I'll take the time to invest in some tools, equipment, um, and that time to try to learn that skill. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's something that, you know, could be worthwhile either monetarily, if it's something that I right. can, uh, contribute to 
our family there, or it's just a skill that's going to be fun and beneficial for our, our kids to use or ourselves to use from time to time. So um, yeah. kind of every time I have a few extra dollars and I'm like, well, there's this other skill that I've been thinking about <laughs> and this tool yeah. that I need for it. You know, I'm going to reinvest in myself or our family and put it towards that. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Always kind of thinking about other things that we can be learning to do. Yeah. What are you working on now? What's your, your current, uh, yeah. Um, not hot, not a hobby. What would you call it? Uh, skill you're learning. Um, what is the newer one that I've been doing? <laughs> you know, I got onto like a carving kick last yeah. year after learning it. And then I didn't do it for probably six, eight months. And I just kind of okay. picked it up again this last yeah. week because I found like, awesome. a tree that I, I liked the juniper tree. And I was like, Oh, oh like, I think I saw that you, you make yeah. like a spoon out of it or a, yeah, a, a spatula. ladle. Especially, yeah. Always have some stuff sitting on the table here still. There it is. Nice. Love that. Another one that I've been working on over here. And yeah, there's and that's just... a great, yeah. But I was going to say, that's a great one to involve kids with. I saw, mm -hmm. I think, one of your videos. Your son is rocking a real knife, cutting yeah. real wood. Like, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just kind of anything that's going to be hands on, working with hands is kind of what I've been orienting to um, kind of physical work rather than just mental work. Yeah. Like one of the things I promised myself years ago when I was in college is that I'd never have a desk job. Yeah. And that's kind of what being a teacher turned into. And yeah, it got to the point where it's just mentally and physically exhausting to be spending my days in a building at a desk in front of kids. Yeah. So <clears throat> I guess I'm kind of, taking advantage of this opportunity to work with my hands and it's a lot more fulfilling right. to make things that are enjoyed by others. And that, you know, I can spend time on something and I have something to show for it every single day rather than yeah. something that might take years to show anything, or you're not sure if you're actually making sure. a difference or so. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, cool. Well, we're getting kind of towards the end of our time. Do you have any, ask you kind of about homeschooling resources. Do you have any just books in general that you're reading or that you would point people towards who are interested in? I mean, we talked about a lot of different topics, but yeah. Uh, if anyone wants to learn more, where would you send them? Yeah. So the last few weeks, I think I shared about it recently. I've been working or reading through the intentional father. Yeah. Um, John Tyson. Yep. John Tyson. Uh, and that one, has been pretty eye opening. It, you know, it yeah. forces you not only to reflect on what you're doing as a father, but also how you were fathered. Um, so, like, yeah. what your father did right or what didn't do right, and kind of how that impacts how you're being a father. And uh, yeah, yeah, and there's just a lot of great exercises in that as well. So even like yeah. after the first chapter, there was a suggested. 24 hour fast and like prayer during that time. Yeah. Um, and I've never done, done like an intentional fast before. So I did this yeah. 24 hour intentional fast and it was pretty eye opening. Like, yeah, I, that's awesome. It's kind of cool to throw in challenges and exercises into that book to uh, kind of really be able to hone in and focus on what you're doing and what your goals are as a father. Yeah. Yeah. I I went through that book 
a little bit ago and it's kind of about like how to bring your son into fatherhood um kind of starting around like early teens but thinking about it now like my son is seven and just starting to build towards that i'm really excited for kind of the the initiation ceremony and all those different things he talks about but there's a lot of groundwork to do as a dad before you get there like i don't know how far you got but one of the practices is like write your dad a letter and like either forgive him or like thank him for all of the things he's given you and that's a huge piece man of like developing as a father is to deal with your own father stuff and so exactly that takes a takes a lot of work <laughs> i admit i have yet to do that letter because of kind of the mental challenge involved with that and uh yeah it's a great book and even yeah. if you are years away from that initiation period it's important to be preparing because it's, it might even take years to be prepared for that um yeah yeah even just the fact that it's pushing an initiation for that transition between boyhood and manhood is like as one of the things first things that stuck out to me in the book is that today's cultures westernized cultures they don't have that initiation or rite of passage like what yeah what tells these boys that they're officially men like there's nothing right. concrete to show that and they don't necessarily have these uh masculine role models or these father figures right. that are presence and intentional to yeah. help them to cross that barrier yeah and like you get your keys to your car and graduate high school and then you're off but like yeah to have a older man drawing you out and pulling you into manhood that's a i'm excited for that just thinking through that i'll have yeah. to reread that book again as when my son gets into 11 12 13 year old right cool uh any other books that are uh <clears throat> you would send people towards or um yeah the other, one I've been, the other one i've been working through has been the, the comfort crisis um okay so i forget the name of the author i just had his name pop up the other day because he was here in the state um okay at the mountain tough fitness lab um okay but yes uh, the comfort i'll crisis. put i'll put i'll link it <laughs> if yeah, no one's interested i can link definitely it. Cool. Uh, it's more geared like if you're into like backcountry hunting and yeah that kind of stuff it talks a lot about hunting but cool just kind of talking about how that's kind of what i center a lot of my mental physical well-being on is not getting too comfortable so as far as mental and physical challenges to keep me sharp and to yeah keep me level-headed and that, that kind of hardness in your life is necessary yeah love it yeah. Well, thanks for jumping on today. Uh, if people want to find you on Instagram, frontiersman.living, is there anywhere else if people want to uh, stalk you or <laughs> that's, follow what you're up that's to? That's the main account. So. That's it? Yeah. Instagram. Cool. You're not doing a YouTube vlog every day of your... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that dedicated to it as of yet. It's a lot. That's... Not sure I ever will be, but... Yeah, you don't want to spend hours inside editing. Yep. <laughs> You're outside, so you can be outside. Yep. Cool, man. Well, I will. Uh, uh, thanks for jumping on, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I appreciate the the message that you're you're sending on your page there, and inviting other dads and role models to be on your 
on your podcast here. I'm excited to see what else you produce and other dads that provide some insights and it's going to be great. Awesome. Thanks, man.